The Posting Up Podcast is brought to you by T. Rowe Price. Are you looking to learn a thing or two about getting your finances in order, saving, and investing? Check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and the Washington Post Brand Studio. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, National NBA Writer for the Washington Post. Coming today with what I think will be a fun podcast with my pal Chris Vernon from Grind City Media in Memphis. Talk to Chris about all the stuff going on with the Memphis Grizzlies, from Tyreek Evans' non-trade to the firing of David Fisdale to the future of Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley uh, to Conley's uh, being shut down because of his Achilles issues this season. Uh, where the Grizzlies might wind up in the draft. Talked about some of the guys in the draft this year. Uh, talked about Grizzlies' past draft failures. Talked about general manager Chris Wallace. Uh, talked about the potential for an ownership change there. A uh, lot, lot of stuff to dive into with you know a franchise that's out of the picture um, right now because they're, they're at the bottom of the league, but one that's got a lot of stuff going on, and it's going to be like that for a while. So uh, without further ado, let's get to my conversation with my man Chris Vernon. All right, Verno, appreciate you coming on, man. Um, not been the typical Grizzly season this year, at least for, uh, I guess it was, it used to be a typical Grizzly season, but uh, now it's returned with them them struggling for the first time in a long time. And I, I guess from your perspective, um, how surprising are you that it's gone this badly this year? I got used to the winning, Tim, for seven <laughs> straight years. This has not been this has not been fun. I, I, I do have flashbacks to the old uh, Rudy Gay, Hakeem Warwick, Kyle Lowry. You know that whole th- those teams, Mark Ivoroni Grizzlies, long, long ago. But it's been a long time. Um, I guess it, it became rather evident once Conley went down, and you saw what they looked like without him. You know, given the nature of the NBA now, where you have so many guys so many teams like you've really got to be a great team for you to be able to withstand the big injury you've got so much money sunk into a couple of players and when two of those are Chandler Parsons who was on a minutes restriction uh early in the year and then Mike Conley when you took him out of the fold there was no there was no great backup plan for that and so then things started going south and then you had after they had lost this record number of games in a row, then you had the whole catastrophe with Fisdale. And so, I mean, really at that point, it was kind of like, all right, well, now they're, they're, they're firing Fisdale. Uh, they had a really, really, really hard schedule right after. They had just gotten done playing Brooklyn. Yep. And then they were going to play this murderer's row over the course of the next, like, you know, six to eight games. And so you didn't think it was going to go their way then. But if you could get through that part of the schedule, then if you could maybe hit a little run, uh, you know, win four or five games in a row, things hadn't gotten so absurdly separated between uh, the, the, you know, the eighth seed and where the Grizzlies were. And so it was like you still kind of held on to hope for a little while. Maybe they could hit a little run, but then it became 
rather clear that that run was never taking place and they were going to they 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 had a bunch of misfortune you know they lost a bunch of games at the buzzer that maybe you know maybe they changed course in the way they viewed the season you know maybe they shortened the rotation played their best players whatever but Harrison Barnes hit a buzzer beater against them and Tyson Chandler dunked at the end of a game against them and they had they had a bunch of these games that were one and two point games that they lost that you know six if they would have gone the other way maybe they would have viewed the season differently but then it became evident it's not going their way and so just pack it in and get a high draft pick well and, and that yeah i mean there's there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of stuff to run through there um let let's start with let's start with conley um okay. he he has been banged up for a couple of years now off and on uh with this with this achilles thing i mean it, it that that's obviously a pretty scary injury um because usually when a guy has inflammation there like that and it's it's kind of constant the way he's had it, eventually he tears his Achilles, which would obviously be a pretty catastrophic injury for a guy like him who's going into his 30s now. Um, is, is the hope there that by basically giving him essentially this entire season off that maybe you can head that off of the pass and, and get him like completely over this with that much rest at this point? Yeah, because what happened is now, in fairness to him, he's missed – I mean, he's never – miss like a season like this. I mean, he's going to miss whatever, 69, 70 games this year. Right. Um, which is about what he's missed combined over the course of the last. Oh yeah. Years. I wasn't trying um, to say he's like yeah, an injury yeah. prone guy there. Yeah, no, no, no. But this has bothered him. And now the way I understand it. So they originally said it was Achilles soreness, right? And then they said it was his heel. And then they came back that it was, uh, then they started saying it was Achilles again. And I was like, what in the hell is going on? Here? <laughs> like what? So, as I understand it, there's like a extra bone. He has a bone in his heel, and that bone then will rub against the Achilles, right? Mm-hmm. So that so if you can imagine, like uh, I'm making this in the simplest terms, that bone would rub against the Achilles. This would cause the problems. Well, the idea was he's been able to kind of play with it, and if they were still in the mix, it's probably one of those things where he could play with it and then get the surgery in the off season. But instead, he just got the surgery last week, and basically, and, and other guys, uh, this has happened before. Um, it's not like you pop your Achilles, which is in many cases a death sentence. They just went and they took out that bone so that it's not going to rub anymore. So they took out that bone so that it won't rub anymore. And so, yeah, the the hope is that he would have a full recovery and he's just fine after it. Yeah, let, you know, I, I, as as one of the good guys in the league, I certainly hope so, both for his sake and for. Uh... And for the Grizzlies, because you know, like you said, they've clearly they've clearly missed him uh, this season as as things have as things have gone off the rails. So I mean, and like you said, anytime anytime you lose a guy like him for seventy games, you're probably going to be in trouble unless you're a team like the Spurs. But um, you know, like you said, with the way Memphis's roster is constructed, I mean, the last the last couple of years, it's basically been Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol, and then you know, whatever they could fill in around them. And if you have Conley and Gasol, that had been enough to make the playoffs by themselves, basically. Yeah, and, and then they're – well, and then, of course, their power forward, who they waited on, who they signed in the offseason, Jermichael Green, he uh, uh, he got hurt in the first game of the season. Right, didn't he sprain his ankle like five minutes into the first game? Yeah, like yeah. so he was out for, you know, the first 20, 30 games. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the, you're down three starters, you're – I mean – 
at least. And 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 Wayne Selden might have started for him, honestly, at two guard. Right. And and he missed the first thirty games. So it was just yeah, it all it all went wrong rather quickly. Well, and and, and it's I mean, so much has happened this season. This is long ago now, but I, I mean, you mentioned them firing David Fisdale and essentially choosing him over or choosing Marcus All over him. And uh, from from your vantage point, did they make the right call there? Um. I I am of the opinion. I think both of those guys probably regret it, live with regret. Um, I don't know why that became so untenable. It's very difficult to ever get a straight answer on, as to as to why it could not be worked out. I clearly believe that it would have been in the best interest of uh, the team, franchise, etc., for those two to be able to get on the same page. But ego is a hell of a thing, man. And for whatever reason. They were not going to be able to get on the same page, and then it came down to a to a breaking point, which was obviously him Fisdale not even putting Marcus All back in the game against Brooklyn, and then Marcus All's post game, you know, comments about that. And, and right, I think it was just a bad misread. I, I mean, I think in you know years down the road, Fisdale will probably um, believe that. Maybe I don't know if he does now or not, but that it was a it was a misread on how to handle a player. Um, because if you, if you ever, if anybody could go back and listen to those comments, Marcus all's comments were, I, you know, they didn't put me back in cause he knew that would hurt me. He knew that me playing basketball, you know, that that's what I care about is being out on the court and helping my team win. And he knew that would hurt me. And so most guys would like fire off or be super pissed off, but like he took it as when he said the word hurt and went like that, it's like, all right, the, like, he, he thinks that this guy is actively like trying to hurt him, like hurt his feelings, right? right? Not like piss him off, not motivate him. He thinks he's out to, you know, the, he, he just was never able to get the response. Um, and he just had a misread from the start. He wanted Mark to be this alpha dog, this, you know, this leader of the pack. And, and some guys, you just have to accept who they are. Right, guys are all wired differently, and then of course, in the interest of possible, I suppose, motivation, uh, some guys you can talk to any kind of way, and some guys you can't. And Mark's one of those that you can't. And so I, it's just a bad mix, and I think it's, I think it's regrettable all the way around. Well, and, and that, that's a situation to to your point that had been building, from my understanding, for quite a long time, even going pretty far back into the prior season right i mean that wasn't like that wasn't like oh uh, yeah that I mean, wasn't like fisdale and mark had a blow up and that was it yeah you go look i mean li- li- listen uh there was an, an obstruction of memory in some ways because the grizzlies played rather well against the spurs gasol hit a game winner that series went to six games um but the last you know 20 25 games of the season they were miserable and they were a sub 500 team from january 1st on and yeah and marcus all made that all-star team but i mean you could go back and look his play went off very badly and and there are there are many stories about how it went awry last season and you saw it you know come to fruition on the court with gasol you know playing much much worse the last part of the season and it's not like he just got way less talented yeah no that's true um, and I, I guess I guess where I come down on it is do you do you think they should have chose Fisdale and traded Gasol for all of the you know keeping all of the uh, the stuff that Gasol has done for the Grizzlies in mind um, at the same time he is now 33 right 
Um, you know, there, this is a franchise that, as you mentioned, has a lot of structural issues in terms of uh, their roster, in terms of their cap, in terms of their right. just flexibility going forward. I mean, is it, you know, I know it's a unique market, and he's obviously been there since he was in high school, so uh, it's a different situation. But, I mean, does it make does it make sense for them to hang on to this guy as they go into their – as he goes into his mid-30s? Well, I think it's two different things. Um, so, number one, if you are choosing between coach and player, you choose player. I mean, I don't uh, – he's not Greg Popovich, all right? He's not – He's not Red Auerbach, all mm-hmm. right. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. there, and and I think you know this. There are there are a handful of coaches that cannot be replaced in the NBA. Um, no disrespect to him, but I mean, it was his first job too. Sure, and, and that he would he would not hit that criteria, right? So sure. you and, and you also you got to remember you had that seven year playoff run, and you walked away or allowed. Uh, Tony Allen and, and Zach Randolph to go elsewhere, right? Part yep. of this quote core four that has been a part of it. So you would have, I mean, I mean, you would have then just gone into 100% complete rebuild if you're attempting to move off of Marcus All. Um, on the other hand, do you want to keep him? I think there is, especially in this day and age, something special about keeping a guy in a uniform and letting him retire with the franchise. Um, and I also think that Marcus Gasol is still an extremely good player. Um, he has been – has he not had as good of a season? Sure. But, I mean, he he gets all of the attention. If it's not him, it's Tyreek every night that is going to get the attention from right. other, other teams. And I do think that you want to – you know, if you can – you want to hold on to these guys, have them have this, quote, grizzly way of doing things, and hopefully in the meantime usher in, you know, whoever is going to be the next slate of guys. I mean, the, the Spurs did this, right? Like, the Spurs right. did this. You could yeah. say they should have gotten – should they just gotten rid of Tony Parker? Should they just gotten rid of Tim Duncan? And, you know, like, in the end, yo, they're not the same uh, level of accomplishment. They're not maybe – they're not the same level of players, but it's – it's your version, right? It's the and same. Guys, it's the same idea, though. It's the same yes, idea, though. And, yeah. And those guys are really good. And if they would have been playing together, the Grizzlies probably would be fighting for a five or six seed right now. Um, and so it sucks that you had to throw away a season, especially at their ages. But you hope that next year you can turn around and be good again, right? So you, as so long you, as they're healthy. So you think that the Grizzlies would would have a chance to be that good if those two guys, if if, if Mike Conley was healthy? Absolutely. I mean, the first first nine games of the season or whatever, well, whenever they started off seven Right, they got two. off to a nice start, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they beat Houston twice. They beat Golden State. Their bench was, was loaded. I mean, they were scoring 50 points a game because Tyreek has been the best player on the team. Right. And he was coming off the bench. Oh, we're so going to get to him. Don't worry. Yeah, so I'm just saying, like, you, if you've got that going for you, if you've got Tyreek coming off of your bench – um, leading that bench unit, instead it all got screwed up. Once Conley went down, it all got screwed up. But yeah, I I absolutely believe. I I mean, I'm one of those that maybe maybe I'm being optimistic, but truth be told, the winning percentage over the course and it's not a small sample size with a healthy Mike Conley and a healthy Marcus All, which maybe that's not fair because they haven't been. Maybe you shouldn't count on their health is, I guess, maybe the right. fair point to make. Right. Uh, maybe you shouldn't count on their health. When they have been healthy, they have won at a at a outstanding clip. Their winning percentage is great. And so do I think that it would be – I mean, hell, what, the sixth seed right now? What, you're a couple games over 500? Yep. 
I mean, yeah, they would be a winning team <laughs> if Mike Conley was playing for them. Yeah, I mean, it's honestly, it's so long ago that I I even forgot that they started seven and two. I mean, so much so much has happened, even just in Memphis. But yeah. uh, you do forget that they did have that hot start and beat Houston a couple times, beat the Warriors, and and they did they did look like they were going to be in pretty good shape. Let Let's get to the Tyreek thing. I, I saw you yeah. talking about this on Twitter last night. Obviously, the by far the most surprising thing to happen at the trade deadline. Uh, I think even more surprising than Blake Griffin getting traded was that Tyreek Tyreek Evans was not traded. Um, everybody, well, wait, 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 no, take no, a quick timeout. No, 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 no. Listen, Fine. listen. A quick timeout. No timeout. Let me let me let me set this up. The Cavaliers' up. entire roster got yeah. changed. That was the most surprising. Well, no, I I mean I wrote a column two weeks before saying that they needed to do basically exactly what they did. Like there were <laughs> there were people saying they needed to blow up half their roster. Well, I, I, but my thing is that. Every single person you talk to in the league all week, the week leading up to the trade deadline, kept saying Tyreek is going to get traded 100%. Mm-hmm. Not sure Memphis is going to get a first-round pick for him, but right. they're going to get something decent for him. They have to move him. Doesn't make any sense. They're trying to tank. Uh, they, they can't really they, – they don't have his bird rights, so the only way they could sign him was to the middle of exception. Somebody else can offer him that too in a better situation. Uh, the Grizzlies then do not trade him. Uh, and and kind of stunned the league. So I guess from the Memphis perspective, as you are pl- as plugged in there as anybody, yeah. What was what was the decision making behind not trading him? And I know that uh, it's especially locally, the reaction has not been great this week. Yeah. Okay. So all right. Number one, it was very bizarre because I've never seen this before. They sent him home. Like they didn't. He right. Oh, that bench. was the other thing. I didn't even bring yeah. that up. Right. A, w- a week before the trade deadline, they said, "Hey, we're gonna yeah. go. We're gonna send you home because we're going to trade you." <laughs> yes. So at that point, you're thinking it's done within 24 to 48 hours, right. At the most. Right. Now it's a week later. It's like, hey, come on back town. Come on, come on back to town. Um. All right. A couple things. I think there. Uh, uh, let's see. All right. What's the best way to explain this? So I think they thought they were going to get a pretty good deal for him initially. It probably when they pulled him off the court in Detroit, I think they probably thought within you know the next twenty four to forty eight hours that they'd have a deal done, and that's why they did it. And they didn't want to get him injured and whatever. Right. And then it kept on. Then it kept on kind of like stringing out, and then, uh, and then Lou Williams signed his deal, and that you y- you never know. If it sets a market or if it's just one guy that signed that kind of a deal, but it stood to read I mean, he got lower than the mid-level exception. That's the deal that he accepted. And we all know that there's going to be a big money crunch going on around everywhere. Yep. So at that point, weirdly, I think my inclination was to say, well, hell, maybe you need to rethink this because Tyreek may not be out there getting, you know, 10, 11, 12 million bucks. You know, if Lou Williams just got that, then hell, you might be able to get him on that mid-level exception, which is something nobody even really considered prior to that. Instead, the view was Lou Williams is off the board. Here come the great deals. Right. 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 He's not now like all these teams that are going to want to push everybody that needs a bench score. Here come the good deals. And the good deals never came. And so if you read between the lines and then in between what they've said publicly and what I understand privately, they just never got good deals for it. It was either like a punitive, like maybe like it would be like something like, okay, maybe you could get a, a Philly first round pick, but you'd have to take on Jared Bayless. Well, like you can't do that, right? He's $9 million next year. Then you got nothing to spend, right? 
like you're 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 eliminating that money, but you're replacing that money even for next year. Or like I know one of the deals, it was reported that they were in that Moutier deal, which they were in that Moutier deal, but Moutier was always going to go to New York. Um, the Grizzlies would have ended up with McDermott and some second round picks, which McDermott's obviously got the expiring. So that Devin Harris deal that got consummated, right? Like, just swap out Devin Harris, except it would have been Tyreek. And the Grizzlies would have gotten a little more right. than maybe what the other got in return. Right. So that being said, um, as I understand it, reading between the lines, like they didn't even get, like, top half of the second-round picks. Mm-hmm. Like, it'd be different if the picks were going to be, like, 30 to 40. Right. But they weren't. They were, like – and so those are, A – Rather worthless, and right. and if you want to buy one, you can buy one. They're for sale every draft, right? right? Like so, it wasn't like the assets were that good. And then I just have to believe because otherwise it's it's career suicide. I've got to believe that Chris Wallace got a serious indication from Tyreek and his representatives that yes, they would they want to be back in Memphis. And Tyreek has said as much. He really loves playing in Memphis. Well, obviously went just obviously here. went to obviously went to Memphis yeah. under Cal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's that they Wallace has got to have gotten some indication, right or wrong, that he can re sign Tyreek Evans and that that can take place and that the mid level can get it done in this upcoming offseason. because um, otherwise you're just I mean, you then you got nothing. But that if you let him go and he likes it somewhere, or he goes and he wins somebody, you know, a couple playoff games, your chance of getting him to come back are going to be very, very small. And frankly, they don't think they can get a better player than Tyreek Evans, much less one that would want to play in Memphis in the offseason. So that was the decision they made, you know. That basically, to sum it up, the offers were crap, and they think they can re-sign him. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's an interesting deal. I mean, the one thing... The one thing that does concern me about their situation is that they they didn't seem willing to take out any money for next season when they're basically at the cap for next season. And like to me, I it, it's it's hard to believe that they couldn't have got a decent offer if they took on some money for next season. Now maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong on that, and that you know I I trust your your intel on things is good there. So maybe the offers were just terrible, but. Um, given the amount of interest in him around the well, league, here's it why that does seem, here, but you it does know seem this, odd. Right? with the no with the no bird rights thing. That's why the offers were terrible. Right, it was that people looked at it. We're not going to give you a lot for a two month rental. Right, because most were not going to resign him. Right, that's where I thought Philly's offer might end up being pretty good. Philly's going to have money in the off season. Uh, he's actually from Chester, Pennsylvania. Right. And so they would be the team that would look at it and go, this, and, and they need to win, right? Like, yes. they need to get in the playoffs yes. this year. They need to be there. And so why wouldn't they sit back and go, this ain't a, like, we're, we're willing to give up a future asset that, like, is a good one because this ain't a two month rental for us. Right. We'll get him now and we've got the money to sign him in the offseason. And that's exactly what we plan on doing. But evidently, that didn't take place. You had to, like, take on, like, Jared Bayless contract or whatever to get him. Right. Well, and the other the other problem, I mean, looking at it honestly, for Memphis is that I mean, this is a team that is is stuck in the middle of a pretty big fight for uh getting the top pick. I mean, you look right now, I mean, the Kings have 17 wins, then yep. the Suns, Mavs, Hawks, Magic and Grizzlies all have 18 wins, and then the Nets and Bulls have 19 wins. Yeah. Uh, and the Knicks have 23 and they're about to fall off a cliff. So, I mean, there there's there are a lot of teams that uh, you know that's that's eight teams fighting for 
for the, the top couple spots in the draft. And, you know, I, you know, I, I know you're not, I know you're not exactly on team tank, but uh, in the situation they're in now, I mean, Tyreek might win them th- two or three or four games. And that could be the difference between picking second or first or second or seventh or eighth. And that, that could be a pretty massive difference for a team that could desperately use a, you know, a, a young guy to, to kind of start ushering in the, the next core of this team. That was the super puzzling thing, right? Like, what is the you, – you would think behind closed door the stated goal was lose as much as possible because we want to get the highest draft pick that you possibly can, right? Right. And obviously bringing Tyreek back does not help accomplish said goal. <laughs> right. That's why, it was so, that's why it was so weird. I mean, it was, just a, it was a strange deal, I must say. And weirdly, it's the, the thing was the process of it all is what – is makes what it bugged worse. Me. Yes. No, it's just what bugged me because if you would have said, you know, even if you would have said two weeks ago, listen, we'll hear what everybody has to say, but it's got to be a really good deal because we want to bring him back. Like we're not, we ain't trying to be bad next year. Yeah, you we're can't, you bad. can't, you can't send the guy home and then not trade him. That's right. We're gonna be bad. We're gonna be bad this one year. We're gonna take our lumps and then, and then hopefully be good again next year and. And that whole idea, we ain't like we're not going to get a better player than Tyreek Evans. So right. we want to we want to be able to hold on to him. But that clearly was not the thought process at the time, right? Like no. it does make sense, and I would have bought in. But that ain't what you were. You know what I mean? It's it feels like you you changed the narrative on that. Yeah, no, totally, right? totally. That I mean, that that was the thing to me that that made it look like they're in. And like, look, maybe you're right. Maybe they saw the Lou Williams contract, which did raise some eyebrows around the league, and maybe they go, "Hey, maybe we can keep this guy." But right then, they they should have said that earlier, right? And right. like the fact that they because that would have been an understandable sh- shift. Like, hey, you know what? Looking at things, maybe things have changed. But instead, it just like nothing changed from their standpoint. Like you said, up until the deadline, then it was like, well, they didn't make a move it was like yep you know okay well you know it's just i mean i think honestly and and you got to get tyreek to buy into it but i think in terms of what you're talking about the win thing i think what you do is you probably you don't play him back to backs you you restrict his minutes and then he sits games and you know they play those play somebody like tyreek they play him against the good teams well i gotta think i gotta think him and gasol are done by mid-march right yeah well i mean you play injuries or something you play him well. You play him against the good teams, and that way, you know you're you're probably losing anyway. Right. And and if you win, it's great for all those like young guys, right? They right. feel like, hey, we just beat whoever the Rockets, or we just beat the Warriors, or if you just happen to catch a win one night right. against one of those goods, it actually has a positive impact, positive effect. They're like, hey, look, we're instead of just getting your ass kicked every friggin' night. Right. No, totally. Does uh does Chandler Parsons ever play again? Yeah, I think Chandler. I mean, Chandler Parsons. Honestly, he could have played probably the last couple of weeks. So and so so is it is this is this just a we're going to give you the season like basically like what Conley is doing to try to well yeah get himself like back trying to rush him back in. Oh, I think you'll see Chandler. I think you'll see Chandler back in games. Honestly, before the end of the uh, season. Oh yeah, yes, yes. I mean, he hell. I I don't know about Wednesday. That's they only got one game before the break. But yeah, I think you'll see Chandler Parsons playing in a Grizzly uniform this year. I mean, I saw him last week. He was sprinting up and down the court and burying threes in practice. I mean, he, yeah, he could have been. I think he could have been playing. But in the, at this point, what's the point? And right. 
God forbid he did go out and get hurt again. But he'll go into this offseason, and sure he'll take a plane trip over to Germany and probably <laughs> come back and be amazing, right? Like like everybody else that goes to Germany does. I mean, I understand why they um, why they made that uh, why they made the decision they did to sign him in the summer of 2016. I mean, I. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a team, as you know. I mean, you, tell the listeners who was the biggest free agent from outside the team that the the Grizzlies signed before they signed Chandler Parsons. Yeah, well, I mean, it'd be it'd be hard to. Uh, do you do you remember the answer to this question or no? Well, the answer is the the answer is Brian Cardinal years ago. No, it's Darko. The answer is Darko. The biggest outside well, free agent that they signed from another team was Darko. Well, like, unless you want to three count, years and twenty one. Yeah, well, unless you want to count the last two, which were Vince Carter and Brandon Wright. But even those guys didn't get more than three for twenty-one. No, you're right. I guess Darko got six, Dar- right? Darko, Darko got three years and twenty-one million dollars. Darko, yeah, and, that's the and biggest. Think, that's the biggest contract they gave out to a free agent before they signed Chandler. Yeah, the Brian Cardinal one at the time was pretty, <laughs> pretty exorbitant. Yes, but Darko's Darko's was the biggest. And and yes. look, I get, um, I get why they did it. Right there, there was this one-time balloon in the cap. They were look. They looked for a wing player forever. Chandler, in theory, was exactly the kind of guy that they needed. And that's a small market team that had a chance to sign a guy who could be a difference maker for them and said, let's let's go for it and swing for the fences. Like, I I have a much easier time accepting that move than the Luol Dangs and Timothy Mozgos and Joakim Noahs and Jan Mahinmi's of the world because at least, at least they swung for the fences on a guy who had the chance to be a high-end guy for them in a market that wasn't going to get them otherwise. Well, and the other thing is that, you know, at the time, and this has stand, and this is the theoretical Chandler Parsons would have been amazing with that team. I mean, he's exactly the guy they've been looking for for seven years now. And and the other thing is the league has really gone Chandler's way. Right. Right. I mean, like it used to be that you might have, I don't know, six, seven, eight teams that had, you know, Maybe not the Zebo types, but at least somebody that like they could just take you down and muscle you around and beat you up down low, and like everybody faces up and plays fifty feet from the basket now, right? Like, yep, hundred percent. In night out basis, you're not at some kind of you're not at. It's not a detriment to have Chandler Parsons out there defending because it's actually nice to have six ten on the wings that can at least put his arms up in the air and make it hard for you to shoot because that's all anybody does anymore. <laughs> you know, it's not like anybody true. bodies you down, backs you into the goal and dunks on you. Like, there might be two guys in the league that do it anymore. No, that's that's true. That's true. Um, and, that, and that is, you know, that is like that, to your point, like they, the Grizzlies saw that they had to try to find some guys to bridge the gap. And you know Parsons in theory should have been the guy. Yeah, and, but he would. He, but, but I mean, he's they could. If people, if people bust their bust them over that one, it is what it is, man. Tim. I mean, he was a he was a, he was a big big risk. It wasn't just a. I mean, he had had the three surgeries. Oh sure. Right? Oh yeah. There's I mean, there's a, a ton risk. of risk. And, there's a ton of risk. And they bought damaged goods for ninety four million dollars. I mean, it is what it is. If you enjoyed this podcast and are interested in learning more about the NBA, you can get my weekly NBA newsletter, the Monday Morning Post-Up, delivered right to your inbox every Monday morning at 8 a.m. To do so, please go to wapo.st slash newsletter to subscribe. You'll get an original column from me, links to my work from the past week, links to work from both my colleagues at the Washington Post and other writers from around the web about the league, a viewing guide for the week ahead, and some dining and pop culture recommendations. 
Again, to subscribe to the Monday Morning Post-Up, please go to wapo.st slash post-up newsletter and start your week off right with everything you need to know about the NBA. They did, and it didn't, and it didn't work out. The, the bigger issue, though, and, and this relates to where they are right now, is their, is their draft situation. I mean, their, their last few drafts have been a calamity. Uh, and and just over and over again. And what? Well, it, what the, it, oh, oh, the, the the last one was fine. I mean, they actually got two good players, Brooks and Ivan Rab. Both appear, I think they're both going to end up being like have NBA careers, which is pretty damn good for the second round. But their first round picks over since Conley. I mean, the last first, the last first round pick that that's that's even still around is Mike Conley, and that was ten years ago. Um, and Jure- they have Jarrell Martin, who nearly got cut in the the preseason. And then they instead well, and, of cutting Conley, him, they instead of cutting him, they cut Wade Baldwin, who they drafted in the first round last year. Well, and unbelievably, Conley is the only one that has been a uh, a starter, like yeah. a long term, like yeah. uh, when they were good. Because even even OJ Mayo didn't start uh, for the yep. majority of time that they were really good. Yep. No, it's it's been it's been crazy. And, and what, I mean, what do you from? I mean, again, like you're you're around the scene as much as anybody. Yep. I mean, what what is caught? What is the has anything been done to address that? And what do you think the 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 like what has been the biggest cause of that? They have attempted to address it. Um, well, I mean, number one, it's just horrible drafting, right? I mean, right. like, the, I don't know the. The cause is now part of it was, and I'm not trying to make it like there is no excuse. It's been ridiculous. Okay, let me get that out of the way. There is no excuse. If I attempt, if for those that would attempt to make any level of excuse, it would be the we're good. They're good for seven years, right? Right. You're good for seven years. You don't get good draft picks, and so and the, and the hit rate on those. You know, we remember all of the good ones and forget all of the bad ones. And the hit rate is just bad. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not. You're usually not getting really good players between 20 and 30. You're just not. Right. And they drafted there every year for the most part. You know, Baldwin was the highest draft pick they've had since they took Xavier Henry, like 14th, you know, the year before they got good. So they hadn't had a high pick in that long. Um and so you're you're consistently drafting, you know, 24 and 25 and 24 and 25, and it's hard. It's hard to get a good player, much less a great player, in that range. Um, so that that's part of it, right? And then the others are just straight misses. You know, years ago, I was at, I was at a, I was at a work. I went to all of the workouts the year they had the 25th pick, um, and they drafted Tony Rote from Washington. Yep. That year, the best work, the two best workouts I've ever seen in my life were Kevin Love, who they drafted on draft night and then swapped him for Mayo. And, <laughs> right. And the other one was Draymond Green. I mean, Tim, he was outrageous. I think I've heard you tell this story before. Amazing. I mean, it was right there. I mean, I was in the workout. I saw yeah. it. Everybody was there. They're all of their, all, everybody there. I mean, I wrote a huge thing. You have to take this guy. And... Then you just take Tony Roten because it's like we know what Draymond is, and it's you know they went for lightning in the bottle, right? right? A freshman point guard that could end up being some kind of big star down the road, maybe. And Draymond's not going to be a big star; he's just going to be a good role player. That was right. the thought, right. right? By everybody, I mean, frankly, everybody missed on Draymond. Everybody. And you know what's weird is that that particular workout it was Draymond versus Jay Crowder. 
Oh, wow. Both, really? And Yes, and they were both awesome. And you can just imagine. I mean, they still fight at it now. Oh, you know, sure. If you ever, when you oh, see sure. them. But, oh, yeah. I mean, it was a friggin' blood war the whole time. And they were both awesome. I mean, in hell, Crowder had just been Big East Player of the Year. Oh, yeah. When he, the, was no, when the, he was no scrub either. You don't know when the Big East was the Big East, oh, right? Yeah. Like when it For was, sure. and 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 Draymond had just been Big Ten Player of the Year. I mean, they just they just killed each other the whole time. It was great, and um, and Draymond was doing everything. And I, you know what? I go back to that all the time, and I do wonder. You know, so much of this stuff is, you know, opportunity and fit, right? And what happens if a guy goes elsewhere? Because I do think that has just such a massive massive impact right like i think it stands to reason i think most people would think like what happens to Kawhi leonard if he gets drafted by the suns you know and what happens if david lee doesn't get hurt and they don't figure out that and and the league doesn't go the way it has and they don't oh sure that draymond is what draymond is i mean the 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 reason here and everywhere for that matter everybody looked at basketball differently even then and they said he is too slow to be a three, and he's too small to be a four. That was yeah, it. yeah, that was it, right? Yep. That's true. And now, and now we now the guy plays friggin' center. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's changed. He's changed the league. No, you're 100 percent right. I mean, you can go to the George Hill Kawhi trade. You can look at the Draymond thing. You can look at you know a guy like Steph Curry ending up where he did, and then eventually getting the coach he did instead of ending up in you know Sacramento or someplace. I mean, you can. You can run down the list. There's very few people other than like LeBron, basically, or maybe maybe Kevin Durant, like those kind of guys who are going to go somewhere and for sure be hits. You know, most guys, you need some kind of luck involved. And, you know, the that Draymond story is a, is a very good example of that. Well, and I have wondered, I have wondered, Tim, on, on the draft stuff is, you know, because everybody says, oh, well, you know, sometimes guys are, you know, they get they get picked lower. Yeah, like you still need to have a super high draft pick to get a great player. But I do, like, I don't know. Like I look at all these teams and I say they went to pretty good fran- – like is it that these guys, these teams all really hit on these guys or is it is there something that they walked in, they went into situations – where the team like had a winning culture and they did care. Like, so when you saw for a long time, did Indiana just happen to hit all the time, right? When they took right. Roy Hibbert and they took Paul George and they took Lance Stevenson and they took, they never had a high draft pick. Yep. Right. Or same with the Spurs. DeJounte Murray starting right now. So maybe Kawhi DeJounte, in the first place. Well, yeah, but I mean, what, right, or Kawhi, Tony Parker, all those guys. Yeah, I mean, like, did they just go to the right spot, or would that have been their fate anyway? And the same thing goes on the flip side, right? What if, I don't know, just pick somebody, Marquise Chris, right? The same Marquise sure. Chris is playing for the Celtics now. Sure. You know what I mean? Is he is he different? Is he is he a lot better? Is Was his fate, was he just going to be whatever he was going to be? Um and I don't. I think it's very hard to answer. And you see Giannis going to Milwaukee, or you see so many of these that now are in the middle. Donovan Mitchell's a great example, right? Oh, sure. I don't, Don, I don't know if Donovan's having that season if he's not in Utah. He's in a great spot for him, right? You know, what if he's in Sacramento instead of Utah? It's a right. I, right. Now, I worry like hell because I love Fox, or, but I right. worry like I yeah. worry like hell. Or if he, I mean, or if he's in a place, you know, if he's in a place like. Uh, Charlotte, where you know, like Malik Monk, he doesn't really start at first. I mean, I, I think he would have played anyway, but um, you know, he's probably not rookie of the year if he's not playing on a team where he gets an opportunity to play big minutes right away. 
you know, for sure. And, and obviously takes advantage of it and takes off. But yeah, no, it's there's there's no question that, that stuff matters. And look, that's why you know I know you I know you're hesitant about the Grizzlies embarking on a long rebuild through the draft. And you know you mentioned teams like Sacramento and Phoenix. I mean, it's from a guy in your in in your situation, it's pretty easy to see why that'd be the case when you you look at you know how much luck goes into these picks and well, and how and often I just they don't work. Through- Everybody's got to remember. So, I mean, I come to it honest because I covered those. I, I sat in an arena for three straight years winning 20 or 22 games. And everything that was netted from being horrible, none of that, literally none of it was part of the huge success. Unless you want to count Conley, who was not good for the first five years. I mean, I think, I, I think, I think Conley counts, but he's, he's in, yeah, you know, in trading, in trading for Gasol. Trading one Gasol brother for the other is part of it, but there were certainly plenty of no. But I'm talking about the draft. No, I know, right? Yeah, what right. you got out of the draft, the the Rudy Gay, Hashim Thabit. I mean, like, I mean, Even I OJ I host, Mayo. No, yeah, I hosted Love, all of right. those. I hosted all of the draft parties. I hosted all of the lottery parties, <laughs> and you'd get so excited, and then it was like, you know. I, I mean, it, obviously they they effed up the picks over and over again for yep. sure. Yeah. But I just like I, I I see the way this stuff. Ha- I mean, look, let's say they would. Let's say this is last year, right? Let's say it's last year, and you get Markel Fultz. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. And who knows? How fun who, is that? Who right knows? Now? And who knows with that? And who knows with that situation? Uh, no. Right. And that's the number one pick in the draft. How right. fun is that? Right. <laughs> See what I mean? Like we're living that right now. Yeah. You could have gotten the that draft. This this rookie class is so friggin' awesome. I mean, sure. Awesome. Sure. There's even there's even guys in the twenties that OG and Anobi for. Toronto, and you can go. I mean, oh, it's loaded. It, it looks up like and it's, down. it's got a chance to be an all-time class for sure. And the and and you could have gotten the number one pick in the draft. Who, by the way, I watched in person multiple times last year, and I think still is going to be a stud. I'm I'm yeah. not jumping off the Markel Fultz train. I think I never. I, I think I the guy's going to be a stud. I never heard about forgetting how to shoot. I never heard of that. It, it is it is incredible. It is incredible. It feels and like I, something I, that can only happen in a, Memphis. I say that as a Cardinals fan that lived. <laughs> oh, for Rick Ankeel. That's right. His rehabs were in Memphis, Tim. If I I was scared for my life sitting like halfway up the first baseline because the ball may come and like hit wow. you. I didn't even I didn't even I didn't even think about that. That he would have oh, been yeah. in Memphis. Wow. Oh yeah. It, I mean, it was it was the damnedest thing. I, I mean, I saw it happen. It was the damnedest thing I've ever seen in my life. This guy was like friggin' Sandy Koufax. He was so good. And, <laughs> and the next time, the next time I went and saw him, he's throwing the ball in the stands. Yeah, it was uh, it's weird. Yeah. And that's what I, that's what I thought about when I saw the Fultz thing. I'm like, okay, that's just crazy. There are very few things that are that are like it. And and if if it is if it does wind up being a mental thing and not this this muscle thing that they said it was, which um you know I I don't know which it is um they you know that that is like the one thing that everyone's gonna think of is Ankeel and how you know Ankeel was this great pitcher who then like forgot how to throw to the home to home oh, plate. Oh well, no, it's I mean it happened to you know it happened obviously famously to Steve Sachs, Steve Sachs and then right Chuck Knobloch right, but it's right. but the but the 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 options are are few and far between. That Knobloch um, thing was the that was insanity, because he was always like, like you remember that he would like field the ball at second base and he would just like, oh it, it was crazy. it was like a six foot throw yep and and he would 
he would throw it like 20 feet away from the friggin' first base. It, like, it was crazy. I don't even understand. It so hopefully crazy. that's not the case with Fultz. No. That, now, a couple things real quick before we go. Uh, yeah. it, who, if, if they, who is your guy if you get the number one pick in the draft that you want him to take? Um, the well, at, this, at, this, at this moment, yeah. I, um, you know, so, all right. So because of what I've been through in the past, one of the things I always look at is I go, all right, what is the chance the guy is going to be like great, amazing, and then more importantly, what's the floor? What, yes, what's the chance? <laughs> but is there any chance this guy is going to suck? Right. And so I watch Bagley and say, there's zero percent chance that he's going to suck. He's safe to me. Right. Like I think it, at the worst, he's what like Derek Favors, right? Who's good? Right. Right. But he's not going to. He he is not going to be a washout. He's not going to be a bust. He's not like he's he's got too good of a motor and too many skills. Um, I like him. I love the point guard at Alabama, Colin Sexton. Big on him. Um, until this weekend, I was super high on the freshman at Michigan State, Jaron Jackson. Right. And then of course he got in foul trouble and went like one of six. So it was not. What about a great... what about Luka Doncic? So here's that's my, my that's my choice. Okay, so my concerns are, and I'm not, I'm not ruling it out, right? I'd love to see him. Sure. Um, I here's what I worry about, right? He, I can't ever find. I want to see him playing against NBA level athletes, right? Um, and you would almost have a better chance if you were in college basketball and you're playing against like Kentucky or somebody like that. Because here's the problem: every time I pull up a tape of him, he's playing against all white guys. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so then. I, I, so then my buddy's like, did he play in the hoop summit? And I was like, I Googled it. No, right. I just want to see him because here's the thing. And I've seen this over and over again. The track record of perimeter guys that have come from overseas is rather poor. They have like, you know, there's Ginobili a hundred years ago. And maybe this guy is the outlier. Maybe he's Ginobili or maybe he's even better. I don't know. But what happens many times is you see them that, like, okay. So, oh, and let me correct this. They're usually freaks of nature, okay? So they're Porzingis, sure. right. they're Dirk, they're the Greek freak. They're, they're these guys that are total freaks of nature, these perimeter guys that are gargantuan. Um, but in many cases, they are, they're so physically gifted, and that gives them a major advantage and what makes them so different. But just the average guy... And he is average, like in terms of size. There's nothing spectacular about his size. Right. There's nothing spectacular about his athleticism. In fact, he's not some kind of great athlete. And so do you just get swallowed up? You know what I mean? When when guys like, you know, the Kawhi Leonard are out there guarding you. Now, he may be so I don't know. I saw, I saw him destroy the Eurobasket as a 17-year-old last no. last fall. And, so I'm, I'm well, all in on him. I saw Ricky Rubio destroy it, too. Wow, Ricky Rubio was not doing what this guy's doing. I'm, so. I, all I know is it's one thing to do it there. It is quite another when you're doing it against NBA caliber athletes, and that's what I worry about. I'm not saying oh, that listen, it's not it, going to be. It's a fair. It's a fair I, concern. I'm not. I'm not belittling your opinion on it for sure. I mean, everybody lot... told me every scout, every scout told me Hazonia was going to be awesome. Every one of them. Yep. Yep. Every one of them. Yep. Hazonia was. Go watch his stuff. Yep. You know, I mean, like, and, and I think that's the case. It's so hard when you're watching these guys, even on those videos or even in that league that they're in. More, more often than not, you have either had, when you get great international players, 
it is usually either, you know, a, a, a wise guy once told me this once upon a time, that when you're watching and you're scouting out athletes uh, to come to the draft, that when you're dealing with internationals, size translates. Big guys are big guys, yep. whether they're in Europe or whether they're in the NBA. And in college, speed translates. So when you go and see John Wall and you see De'Aaron Fox and you see whoever, right, this, uh, you know, like that kid I mentioned, Colin Sexton, or whoever it may be, that speed translates. Like if you're fast, you're fast. And and then size-wise, when you're talking about the Jokic's and on and on, that size translates the best. Um, but the, the the difficult part for many international players is the the speed thing, the speed of the game, the athleticism of the game, and that that usually shows up when you're talking about perimeter guys. And so that's just my worry. It's just my worry. I'm it's not, a it's a fair it's a fair worry. Don't yeah, you don't have to defend I, yourself. It's fine. I don't know. I I, I don't know. And but your answer. This, so your answer is Bagley. If you had to pick a guy right now. Today, yeah. yeah. I mean, because I worry about the other ones. I sure. worry about Bamba. I worry about Aiton. Yeah. I worry about. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else up there that's. What about everybody? Trey Young? Telling... All right. You so... gonna pass on Steph Curry again? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I and I will not defend them for that. Listen, you're talking to the guy that told I I I, I did a radio bit. I threatened to commit suicide on the front steps of the forum if they took the beat. So. <laughs> So, I forgot so, about that. <laughs> you're not going to get me in some kind of great defense. That being said, when, uh, this is one of the, the problems that I've had with being bad or tanking, as it were. Steph Curry never came here, Tim. Never. Right. His dad wasn't going to let him go play for the friggin' Grizzlies. He would have pulled an Eli Manning. <laughs> he wouldn't. They, he didn't even come work out for the Grizzlies. So back to Trey Young. Here's the thing. He is such a weird prospect. I watch him, like you say, the Steph Curry thing. Yeah. I think Trey Young is either going to be like amazing. Like he, a friggin- feel, he feels like he's either going to be an all star or a bust. And there's not like the, there's, there's, no not, there's not a lot of in between. Right. There's no way. There's no way he's going to be like maybe okay. his in between is like what Trey Burke has turned into as like some kind of guy who comes in off the bench and can score a little bit. Like maybe. But, but Trey Burke was in the G League. No, 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 I know. I'm saying, like, maybe that's, yeah. like, maybe that's the kind I of don't middle know. ground. But, like, it's hard to see him being, like, an average player. Uh, yeah, you're right. He is just not going to be okay. He's either going to be able to do all that shit that he does in college or he's not. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. End of story. Like, right. that's either, like, and I don't know. I tend to think he probably can. He looks freaking awesome. But then I watched him Saturday, and he was miserable. Um, he was miserable in the first half of that game. I mean, right. Bad. He ended up with pretty good numbers at the end. Right. But he missed damn near every three he took. If you're if you're picking him close to ten, I I think you can live with the risk. I think I think for him to go like I know some people who think he should be up near number one, and that 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 that, that I think would be tough for me because for the same reason, if I'm picking in the top five. I, I'd I'd probably prefer to go a little safer because you should in theory get somebody who's going to be a stud for you. Uh, even if you don't, maybe if you don't get the best player and you get the third best player, you're still going to get somebody that's uh, that's really good. As opposed to, so, uh, hey, I'll tell you the other one, and this is a massive wild card. Yeah, is Porter is Porter Junior. You right. go watch. Hey, go watch his video. Oh, he Jesus. can. Oh, listen, he he's oh. he can play, and and but and he now a, he and now he might be back this year. So. Hey, and I uh, know, but you, you, I mean, listen, you know this story better than anyone because you've been there covering Kerr. Um, backs, back are, backs are scary when you're 20. It, hey, and it's surgery. It's not like, right. a, it's not like a back, like, oh, I, I hurt my back. 
he like literally had it operated on. And I remember hearing Kerr say he would encourage everybody to never get. Uh, he, yeah, he literally. Yeah, he. Steve has said, just don't, don't do it. Period. Uh, whatever and you so do, don't do it. Right? You're 19, 20 years old, and you got a back surgery. Like that petrifies me. Yeah, but no, God, totally. He is six. He is six ten, facing up, and he is he's dynamite. Totally dynamite. Totally. I hope it works out for him because if it does, and that back surgery is not something to cause intense concern, he could be amazing too. Yep. Very. Uh. Very. Very true. Now, a couple thing. A couple more things. Quick. Uh, who is going to be the coach of the Grizzlies next season? If you were to guess now, I I think I now well, all right. Assuming that ownership does not change. Right. Well, I want to ask about um, that next. Uh, that might be the last thing, but uh, well, I mean, it's out there. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I honestly, I have no idea. Oh, well, we can, we can handle that now. Then, so, so as, a, as, so right now, there's, there's like basically a, a situation where the two main owners, Robert Para and Steve Kaplan, can kind of correct. set prices, and the other one can decide if they want to buy or sell. Yeah. Um, and and so, what, what, what is the timeline on that getting resolved? I think it takes a long time, no matter. Right. Um, I'm not sure what happens. So here's the thing. It's against like not like against rules. It's like against a law for them to like speak on it. Right. So nobody says anything. You can almost find very, very, very little information about it at right. all. Right. Um, but it's one of those things that it drags out no matter. So I'm not I mean, I think it could carry into possibly next season or certainly past the summer. I don't know when there's a finality to it because like I told you, like you can't find anything out. Like everybody's just got it. Like talking about that would be um, big, big problems. Right. Uh, because right. As soon as any information comes out, it's like, okay, who said it? And then you're trying to track that stuff back and you can get into lawsuits and countersuits because it's a, it's a very serious, nobody say a word about. It. So I really, I don't, I don't, I have no idea who will own the team. If, uh, assuming that you still have the same owner, um, Robert Perra, you know, just buys the team and has it next year. I think JB's got a really good chance, and I think he should, and here's why. He's now, like, fostering all of these young players on the team, right? Mm-hmm. Um, from all accounts, Mike and Mark really love him. So if you got the two best players that really like you, Chandler and him have been boys forever since right. Houston, right? Right. Okay, so you got three of your veterans or your big guys that all are down with him. He is also signed up now as this interim coach, and he's taking all these losses. Those are going to go on his record, right? Right. right. And and instead of going out there and saying, you know, f you, I'm playing. You know, I'm shortening my rotation. I ain't playing all these friggin' young guys. I'm going to roll out there with because they could have. They could clearly have been a lot better than they have been if right. they would have just said. Hey, we're going to play an eight-man rotation, and my three guys coming off the bench are going to be Brandon Wright, Mario Chalmers, and some other veteran, right? Right. And I don't really give a damn if Wayne Selden turns out to be good or bad because I ain't going to be here next year anyway, and I need my record to be good. Instead, he he's doing their bidding. You know what I mean? Yep. And he's taking all the losses. And so well, that I was kind of what I was gonna I was gonna kind of yeah. hint at. I don't I don't know what I mean. I mean, look, that's that's not a good job right now. Right? Well, and the other I thing mean, is, what kind of what kind of stock do you like? You know, wh- all right. So let's say, like, he's got real stock in the development of these young players, sure, okay, sure. and trying to teach them. Sure. And so, who's to say if you hire another coach, 
and they come in. What if the what if the guy comes in and he's like, you know what, Dylan Brooks sucks. I don't care about Dylan Brooks. <laughs> right. Right? You know what I'm saying? Or yeah. whatever. He's gonna have sure. his own opinions. Sure. And literally have no. He's not gonna have any kind of preconceived notion. He's not also not gonna know the player and the development of the player or what he's good or bad at. Sure. And so he may just abandon. You know, young guys that you've spent a lot of time trying to get better. So I don't know, man. I'm kind of well. And with the situation the team is in, it's not like it's not like right. they're going to go out and get some big name coach to come there anyway. So my I thought, don't know. You, I don't know about big name, but you you can well, always find a friggin' coach. There's only thirty of the job. No, you, know? you can. But I, I just, I mean, given the situation that they're in, to me, it it would make sense to just roll it over with JB if everybody. Yeah, there is yeah. I be, but you be, you be, you be shocked. Once upon a time. You will remember, you know, we could sit there and we could say, hey, that place is a dumpster fire and you'll never get anybody. And then the next thing we look up and George Carl's the coach of the friggin' Kings. You know, it's like, That's, what? That is, <laughs> right? that is, that is a good point. I mean, it does happen. It does, does happen. It does happen. No, it's, uh, it's very true. And then one, one final thing. A year from now, do you expect the two stars to still be on the team? Uh, like after next if, year's trade deadline? Okay. If, if they are, and again, this is a massive caveat, right? If they are both healthy, yes. Right. If they go into next season and one of those two guys gets hurt, they'll blow the whole damn thing up. That would be that would that would have been my guess. So you so, yeah. you, so you think if they're in a similar situation next year where they can't stay healthy, that hundred percent they blow it up. Yes, at that point you just say to hell with it. We're 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 getting we're blowing it up and we're doing the 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 full rebuild. But as of right now, their desire is to run it back next year and be good. And that with the same front office too. Be what they thought they could have been this year. Is that what the I would same tell front office you? Do? Well, again, you'd have a totally different front office if you changed management, right, or owners. But if so, uh, so, if Kaplan buys a team, you think that everything gets blown up? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Let me front office wise. Yeah. Hell, they blew out Chris the first time, <laughs> and then he came back. <laughs> His career is remarkable. Oh, Hollinger's <laughs> the only one that survived, so maybe he, maybe he'd still stick it, get to stick around. Maybe he get to stick around. But yeah, I mean that's the way it goes. Right. Right. Typically, you bring in your own guys. Right. Um, right. If Chris doesn't re-sign Tyreek, I think he'll get fired. Well, that'll be interesting to watch. I saw you say that. I saw you say that yesterday. I do. I think he'll. Yes, I think he'll get fired if he doesn't. Yes. Because you just took that risk, and you just said, "I'm bringing him back." Now, if he brings him back, he'll keep his job. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't bring back Tyreek Evans, and you, you know, you took this risk and got—I mean, it's this is a black and white thing, right? Yep. You either you either resign him in the off season or you don't. And if you didn't, it's a massive mistake, and you won't be able to withstand that. Not after, because that will that will then cloud much like everything else. If you do enough good. People forget about the bad until it gets bad again. So, like, so Chris Wallace built the core four, right? I mean, he gets credit for all four of those guys. They're only in Memphis because of him. Mike Conley, Mark Gasol, Zach Randolph, and Tony Allen, right? And so you can F up every draft pick, and it's not on front street because you're still getting to the playoffs every year. But if you don't bring back Tyreek, then it's like, bro, your last free agents are – Chandler, like you finally hit on a free agent, and then you lost him because your other ones are Chandler Parsons, who you paid ninety four million dollars to and hasn't played for you. Right, and then you just went last season. You, by the way, Tyreek isn't even the one they spent the money on. Yeah, it's it was true. Ben McLemore who <laughs> can't play. They could have signed. They could have signed Tyreek to a two year deal. No, nah, <laughs> he wouldn't. Be an he issue. wouldn't. 
Oh, because he wanted a one-year deal. Sure. Yeah, but I, hell but yeah. I, he, right. But I, I'm he just, was just he sure. was just doing the let me prove I'm let sure. me prove I'm sure. healthy, still good, and sure. I want and then I can cash in in the next off season. Oh hell, you better believe they tried to get him on a two-year deal. <laughs> right. I was just I was just saying they could have signed with the same contract. But yeah, you're right. They obviously could have paid him more money, and so they paid Macklemore, which hasn't worked out either. So, um, well, it's uh, it's 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 always interesting in Memphis, good or bad, and that remains the case. <laughs> so, I appreciate you. I uh, appreciate you doing this, man. Before you go, just let people know where to follow you and, and what you're up to. You have all kinds of things happening. So, so uh, yeah, you can pretty well find figure out everything from Twitter. I'm at at Chris Vernon Show, one word. I do the Ringer NBA podcast with Kevin O'Connor on Tuesdays, and then I do a local show out of Memphis every day. Uh, the Grizzlies uh, Grind City Media that they established, but all the links are there. You just find me on Twitter. You find me. That's it's it's Timmy worth a follow. It's worth a follow and a listen for my guy. So uh, thank thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Tim. See you. All right, thanks again to my man Chris Vernon for doing the podcast. I really appreciate it. Be sure to go follow him on Twitter at Chris Vernon Show. Uh, check out his work with John Roser over at Grind City Media. Um, go check out the Ringer podcast, the Ringer NBA show. Um, him and him and Kevin O'Connor have a fun pod every Tuesday, like you said. Um, I'm really enjoying some of the other pods are doing, Heat Check and, and some of the different stuff they're doing uh, throughout the week now. So be sure to go uh, be sure to go check out their stuff. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps, at Facebook at Tim Bontemps NBA, and the pages of the Washington Post are on our website at WashingtonPost.com/sports. Please go give the podcast a five-star rating and review wherever you can find it. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Radio Public, TuneIn, Google Play, etc. It really helps us out when you do that, so thank you in advance for doing so. Thank you to Glenn Yoder and the Western States for the theme music for the podcast. Uh, Glenn's the NBA editor at the Post, good dude. Um, Be sure to go check out, uh, you know, hit their music and, and support them as you can. Thank you again for listening to the pod. I appreciate it. I'm hopefully going to be back with one more later this week. We'll see how time commitments go going down to uh, L.A. for the All-Star Game. Hoping to get one in, though. Uh, But thank you to everyone for listening, and we'll be back again soon.